While I wouldn't go so far as to say that gift cards are in any way a crime against Christmas, I would say that it's possible that sort of a gift card mentality might obscure our ability to understand what happened on that first Christmas, that Christmas that we're here to celebrate. What do I mean? Well, the value of gift cards, or the reasons why we tend to like them, is gift cards let us buy what we want with the money that we're given. In other words, they put us in control of the present buying process. You see, normally when you receive a present, you don't have any control over when it comes, and you don't have any control over what it is. It requires us to submit to the person who is choosing to buy the present. With gift cards, that power comes to us. We are now in charge. We can go out and buy what we want, when we want. But the problem is, if you think about the very first Christmas, God did not give us a gift card. He gave us a baby. And while there are many wonderful uses for gift cards now, it's possible that that same mentality that makes us love gift cards, which is we want to be in control of even the presence that we receive from other people, can mar our ability to see exactly what was going on that very first Christmas when God gave his son Jesus to be one of us. Let me show you what I mean. Take a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 1. There are Bibles in the rack in front of you or underneath your seat. If you take one of those Bibles and turn to page 783, page 783, you'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 1. One of these Bibles, page 783. And we're going to look at the Christmas story from Joseph's point of view. Joseph is Jesus' adopted father. And we're going to look at the Christmas story from his point of view. So that's Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But, she, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Sometimes the best gifts that we receive are not the ones that we choose for ourselves.
Nowhere is this more true than with the person of Jesus. What I mean is think about this from Joseph's point of view for a moment. Now we hear the word betrothed or the word engaged and we think about this from a modern context. But Joseph and Mary are operating under different cultural assumptions. So let me explain to you, or really let me let a couple of commentators explain what engagement or betrothal meant at the time of Jesus. These commentators say, to judge from rabbinic sources, which may be late, betrothal or engagement in ancient Judaism took place at a very early age usually at 12 to 12 and a half years. That's speaking about from the girl's point of view. Following courtship and the completion of the marriage contract, the marriage was considered established. The woman had passed from her father's authority to that of her husband. But about a year typically passed before the woman moved from her parents' house to her husband's house. During that time, Although the marriage was not yet consummated, the woman was wife and she could become a widow or be punished for adultery. This explains the situation of Joseph. Even though he has not yet taken Mary as his wife, she is his wife. Thus, separation requires a certificate of divorce. And the point is, is when it says that Mary and Joseph were engaged, that has a much stronger meaning. She is considered to be his wife. Now, they're at the final stages of the marriage process, so they don't yet live together, and the marriage has not yet been consummated. But think about this from Joseph's point of view. This woman who is considered by himself and all of society to be his wife, is found to be pregnant, and Joseph knows that that baby is not his. He is absolutely sure that baby is not his. Now the problem is, is that Mary is told before she gets pregnant by an angel that she is going to become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. However, apparently she doesn't tell Joseph this. We're not sure why. We're not sure if the angel told her not to tell him. We're not sure if she just didn't quite understand what exactly this meant. But all we're told is that she simply took this and pondered it in her heart. She thought about it but didn't tell Joseph. In fact, this passage says that Mary was found to be pregnant. And what that means is, as with all pregnancies, at some point, it becomes clear that a woman is pregnant. It became clear that Mary was pregnant and that's how Joseph finds out. Joseph finds out, now imagine what he's going through when he, imagine the betrayal, imagine the anger, imagine the heartbreak that he's experiencing because in his own mind, of course, the only explanation is that she has been unfaithful. What other possible explanation could there be? And it says that Joseph, who's a righteous person, and again, think about it from his point of view. 
He's tried to obey God's laws. He's tried to do the right things. He's even looked for a woman who is faithful to God. He's looked for a girl that he could marry who would appreciate and want to follow the Lord just like he's wanting to follow the Lord. And she gets pregnant. It says that because he's faithful to the law, he knows the right thing for him to do is to divorce her. Not to break off an engagement. This is a more serious connection. To actually divorce her. But... He also loves her. And his mercy says, but I, I can't do this publicly. And so instead of exposing her to a public trial for adultery, instead of dragging her name through the mud, Joseph resolves in his mind simply to divorce her quietly. Now the passage actually says, verse 20, after he had considered this. And the idea is, is that he took some time to make up his mind. We don't know how long, could have been a couple of hours, could have been a couple of days, it might even have been a couple of weeks. But what we do know is during this period, he's got to be experiencing an incredible amount of anguish and fear and anger and anxiety. But in the midst of it, an angel shows up in a dream after he has gone through that whole process. An angel shows up to him in a dream and says to him, Joseph, this baby that Mary is pregnant with is actually a gift from God. It's an immeasurably greater gift than you can possibly imagine. Mary is going to give birth to a son. You are to adopt that child as your own son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Wow, that's quite a present. Now, I imagine that if God had given Joseph a gift card, this is not what he would have bought with it. (laughs) What I mean by that is this is a really tough situation. This is a very hard situation to think that this woman that you love, and whether it's only for a few hours or a few days or a few weeks, has been unfaithful to you. That's a hard process to go through. Why don't you tell him ahead of time, Lord? Why does he have to go through that process? To think that Joseph and Mary, this new couple that's about to be married, they're going to have a child already at the very beginning of their marriage, and Joseph's oldest son is not going to be his biological child. Now, he's been following the Lord. He's been trying to do this the right way. But still, he ends up in a situation where his oldest child is not his biological son. Worse still, in the sense of difficulty, the angels told Mary, and angels told Joseph, but the angel's not going around telling anybody else. Which means that this baby is going to grow up amidst rumors of scandal. It's known that Mary is pregnant before she moves in with Joseph. And even if they could tell other people, who's going to believe them? She's pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Sure. Imagine the shame in that culture, in that society, the guilt, all of those kinds of things. And when we look at it, we say, well... Of course he wouldn't choose this for himself. Who would choose a road like that? Who would choose those difficulties associated with it? 
But the thing is, is that this baby is a present from God. Now, there are difficulties associated with it, but what the angel comes to announce is, is that this present that God is giving is far better than anything they could have ever hoped for or imagined. We see that in the name that is to be given to this baby. The angel says very specifically, Mary is going to have a baby and you are to give that baby the name Jesus. Now Joseph, who's a good Jewish young man, when he hears that name Jesus, is immediately going to think of three things. First, the Hebrew name that goes with Jesus is the name Yahshua. It literally means Yahweh saves or God saves. Yahweh is his personal name. This is a very important name. For this baby to be told, for, for Joseph to be told that this baby is going to be named Yahweh saves, means big things are in store for this child. That God is going to rescue his people through this child. The second thing that's going to pop into Joseph's mind is the most famous person who has that name, Yahshua. Now, we say Yahshua, that's the Hebrew pronunciation. The English pronunciation of it is Joshua. Joshua and Jesus are the exact same name. Jesus is simply the Greek pronunciation of the Hebrew name Joshua. In other words, if you took your Greek Bible and you turned back to the book of the Bible that we've been studying together as a church, you would see that it's entitled in Greek not Joshua, but Jesus. That's the name of the book, and it tells the story of a man, Joshua or Jesus, who after Moses sins, comes onto the scene to lead God's people to a place of peace and of rest and of blessing. That Joshua came to rescue his people from their sins. And Joseph is going to immediately think in this context with this angel saying these things. God is sending a better Joshua or a greater Jesus who's not just going to settle the children of Israel into a piece of, piece of land. But who's going to rescue people from our sins and our mistakes and the darkness and the pain in life. The third thing that Joseph is going to probably think is that when the angel announced that Jesus or Joshua is going to come and rescue people from their sins, he's probably going to think of Psalm 130 because the angel is quoting the last verse of Psalm 130. We read this this morning. The students read it for us as our Advent scripture. This is again what it says. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord... Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. The idea is, is that all humans experience at times falling into the pit that is life. To feel like life is such that it's simply overwhelming us, that we're drowning in the difficulties of life. And in those cases, we cry out to God, God, have mercy. Come and help me. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins... Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. 
I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. In the pit of life, when we're desperate for help, God could be judgmental. God could be angry and say, you're in that pit because of some choices that you made. This is in part your fault. It's also a part because of what other people have done. But collectively, we've messed up God's world. And there are things that happen in this world that make this such a difficult place to be sometimes. And in reality, it's our fault. But God doesn't interact with us that way. Instead, he chooses kindly to forgive us. He chooses kindly to to wash over all of the mistakes and the disobedience and the things that we've done wrong so that we might know the peace and the joy of serving him. And the final promise of Psalm 130 is that one day the Lord himself will come to rescue those who are caught in the pit of life. And when Joseph hears that this baby who's to be named Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, God, rescues God, because he will be the one to redeem all people from darkness and from sin and from disappointment and from death. And Joseph is finding out, wow, this is a far greater present than I could have ever asked for or imagined. But the problem is, For as great as a present it is, as it is, it brings with it some things that are very difficult, some things that are very hard. And that's the point. You see, when we get a gift card, we go out and buy exactly what we want. When we are given a present, we have to submit to the person who's giving us this present. And sometimes that present comes to us and it's better than something we would have bought for ourselves but it might come with some difficulties that we wouldn't have chosen. That's what happened at the very first Christmas. What God had in store for Joseph and for you and for me is far better than anything we could have ever hoped for or imagined. God is giving Joseph a present, which is God himself to help lift him out of the pit of life, to give him eternal life, to let him experience joy, to take all of his mistakes and all of his problems and all of the things that he's done and simply erase them and give him life instead. But because God is the one giving the present, It comes with some things that Joseph would have never chosen for himself. The anguish, the anxiety, the shame, the rumors. What are other people saying? The difficulties, the hardships, all of that. You say, why? I don't know. But I wasn't the one giving the present. And somehow when God chose to give this present to Joseph... It was unspeakably greater than he could have ever hoped for, but brought with it some difficulties that he wasn't expecting. Three implications of this teaching for you and I today. The first one is pretty pragmatic. Five days from now, a lot of people in this room are going to receive some presents. 
Some of those may be gift cards. Enjoy them. Go out and buy what you want. Eat at the restaurants. Have a great time. They're wonderful. But some of those, and I speak probably especially to those who may be younger, some of those will be presents given to you by people who love you. Your parents, siblings, friends. It's easy to look at the presents that you are given and think, well, why did my brother get that and I didn't get that? Or to think about the list that you have in your mind, I wanted all of these things for Christmas and I didn't get them all. And it's easy to find yourself grumbling and complaining and wishing, I wish I had just simply got the money so I could go out and buy what I want. Here's the implication. Sometimes our least favorite gifts end up being the ones that we like the best because the person who's given them to and has given them to us with our best interests in mind. And that if we're willing to look and wonder how this person may be expressing love to me through this present, we might find that these presents that we've been given are great blessings. And so if on Christmas you receive something that you maybe hadn't asked for, maybe didn't even necessarily want, realize that your willingness to submit to the fact that your mom or your dad or your uncle or your friend bought this for you may be a blessing in disguise that God may be giving you something that at first glance isn't your favorite present, but maybe something God uses to really bring a great blessing into your life. Second implication, and this one's probably more of a serious nature. For those of us who are Christians, and what I mean by that is those of us who have decided to follow after Jesus, who have accepted Jesus as our Lord, this teaching reminds us that God doesn't usually hand out gift cards. We want him to. We want him to take all of his power and all of his wisdom and put it into a card and hand it to us so that we can take that card and go buy the things we think we want, whether they're money or power or fame or beauty or a certain spouse or kids or grandkids or a success in life or a certain job situation or an easy life or success at sports or whatever it may be. What we want from God, what you want and what I want is a gift card to be able to go out and purchase whatever it is we want to purchase. But the problem is, and hear this the right way, our expectations are simply too low. Yes. That what God wants for us is so much better than what we would want for ourselves. We are satisfied with money or with power or with fame or with beauty or with success or a comfortable life. But the reality is, and you know this if you're in the pit of life. Money, success, power, fame, beauty, they won't rescue you out of the pit. When your child's life is in danger, when you're going through a very difficult health situation, when you're in the midst of a broken relationship, when you've been given a divorce that you didn't ask for, all the money and the power and the fame or whatever it is, is not going to solve that problem. And what God knows that we need more than anything is his presence with us. Peace forgiveness for our mistakes to be able to say we're not going to be held accountable for the things that we've done wrong joy wisdom guidance these are the things that God wants to give to us 
but because they're presents that are coming from him. They often have some things that go along with them that we wouldn't choose for ourselves. For example, God may have a present for you or for me to help root out some deep-seated insecurities and pride. And God may choose to allow us to experience a failure at work because he's trying to give us a present of humility. Now we look at the present of a failure at work and we say, "Uh, no thank you, Lord, I'll take a gift card instead. (laughs) But what we're missing is something deeper that God wants to do. For some of us, God may want to give us the gift of having a child who loves and is kind and filled with the grace of God, but as part of the packaging for that gift has to come a season of rebellion where they walk away from us or away from the Lord because God needs to allow that to happen so that he can come alongside that child and be gracious to him or to her. We receive the present of a child walking away and we say, no, thank you, Lord. I'd like to send that gift back. Can I get something else, please? And God says, you have no idea the good that I want to do for you. You have no idea what I'm planning to do in and through this. We might want a loved one who doesn't know anything about Jesus or doesn't know anything about what it's like to have a relationship with God. And we want them to know the Lord And then all of a sudden they go through some health crisis and we say, no, 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 Lord, I'd like to return that. That's not the present I was asking for. But God is going to use that health crisis or that difficult situation to draw them closer to him. And the point is, is that if we're in charge of our lives, the problem is we would purchase for ourselves things that are far, far worse than what God wants for us. And so if you're a Christian... You need to know that God often gives us gifts far greater than what we're even asking for, but that come with some pieces that we wouldn't choose for ourselves. And the danger for you and I is to leave gifts unwrapped under the tree. Third and final implication. If you're here and you're not yet a believer in Jesus, you've not yet made a decision. I don't mean, well, well, I guess I'm a Christian because I'm not a Muslim or I'm not a Buddhist or... We're celebrating Christmas and I want to celebrate Christmas, so I guess I'm Christian. No, I mean, if you've not yet made a decision that you want to follow after Jesus, the point of this passage for you is, is listen, in the pit of life, the one thing that's going to rescue from the darkness and from the death and from the despair is the presence of God. And that's why what God gives to you and I is his presence personal presence coming to us in the person of Jesus. We look at the person of Jesus and we have, well, actually, I'd rather have something else. <laughs> I'd rather have the money or the fame or the power or the beauty or the comfortable life or whatever. But listen to me. Those things are not going to get you out of the pit. Those things are not going to help you overcome death. Those things are not going to restore relationships. Those things are not going to bring peace or joy or love. But God gave us his son Jesus to give us all of those things. And the implication for you is is that you have to accept Jesus as a gift from God. That's how you become a Christian. 
How does that happen? How does somebody do that? The exact same way that Joseph did. God gave to Joseph a present, and the way that Joseph accepted the present is that he named the child. That's why our passage ends with, and he gave him the name Jesus. Not they named him Jesus. Joseph named him Jesus. In Jewish culture, when a father names a baby, he's accepting that baby as being his own. This is Joseph's acceptance of the gift. That this gift came with some anxiety, it came with some shame, it came with some humiliation, it came with some pain, it came with some sleepless nights, it came with some difficulty, but it was a present of God's extreme love, a present of eternal life, a present of forgiveness of sins, and Joseph calls him Jesus, and by doing that, he accepts the gift. You do the same thing today. In other words, when you find yourself in the pit of life, however you got there, whatever it is that caused you to get there, in the middle of that pit, if you say, Jesus, come save me, you're doing the exact same thing that Joseph did. You're accepting the present from God. You see, because while you're mired in that pit, and it can be depression, it can be a health situation, it can be a car situation, whatever it is, when you're stuck in the pit of life, God sends you Jesus to stand there and all you have to do is say, Jesus, get me out. Jesus, help me. When you do that, you are accepting the present that God is bringing to you. If you look at who God has said, no, I don't want him. I want this problem to go away. I want to be healed of this disease. I want more money than I know what to do with. I want a big house. I want to be famous or prestigious or I want everyone to like me. If you won't accept that present, if you ask for another one, then you're not a Christian. But in the midst of whatever you're in, if you say, Jesus, come rescue me. Jesus, come save me. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you accept the gift. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And Joseph is faced with a choice. He can either accept this present from God, this present of eternal life, this present of salvation, of forgiveness of sins, of joy and peace, but with the difficulties associated with it, or he can reject it. And when Joseph says, Jesus, he's accepting the gift. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have given us the gift of Jesus. Lord, we admit that we sometimes wanted something different. But God, we praise you that you didn't leave us with simply what we wanted, that you gave us something far better and far greater and far more wonderful. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning. God, who have been looking for a different gift from you and, and have been wanting, we've been wanting a gift card. We've been wanting you to just simply show up and buy for us the things that we want. Help us to realize that the gifts that you give to us uh, often come, they require us to submit. They require us to accept your will and your plan and your way of doing things. God, I pray that those of us who are here who are resisting the gifts that you're offering, God, give us eyes to see 
that although there are some details we wouldn't want, that in the end, what you have planned for us is far, far better than anything we could ever hope for or imagine. Lord, may the picture of Christmas be this message to us today. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.